The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Yes, yes, yes! Bring that food here, you beautiful snowballs of the sky! Flowers of my love, my warmth and tenderness go with you and say, Now, why? Yes, candy apples of my tooth. Uh, your worship, speak, fool! Mm. No, no, thank you, my dear. I do not drink, but I will look at your ring. Yes. Uh, your, grace. Oh, your grace, your grace, your grace. Speak, speak, knave. Mm. How long are you going to do this? I like this. I like it. I probably like nothing even more than I... But I love this. Mm. Yes, my, your kingship. Speak, fool. You are no longer the ambassador to Cucamonga. You know that. Uh-huh. You know it. And I know it, but do they know it? Uh, come on, mm. I'm going to get some rest over here, Jack. Thank you, thank you. Mmm, flashing of food. Yes, hello. Um, yes, the manager, please. Mmm, mmm. Remember, remember when I was the ambassador and you played the reporter? Yeah. Well, just give a listen. Uh, hello, sir. Yes, uh, uh, there's, uh, remember the reporter, uh, well, he's up here again, and he's uh, being somewhat of a gadfly. Would you please send up the bouncer? Now, what do you think of that? In case you have forgotten, I would like to get a nap here. And when the bouncer shows up, it's going to be a bit of a problem, because actually I will take that... All right, you started this. Now I'm going to finish it. You think for one second that any bouncer is going to throw me out of this pie. Hi. My liege? My liege. Oh, who would this charming child be? The bouncer. The bouncer. Bouncer. Uh, your grace, uh, by your leave. Kill me with this fool. Kill me, kill me! Good morning, London. It's Thursday, July 30th, 2015. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on 94.9 CHRW Radio Western, where we'll be with you from now till noon. No, it's not right wing. It's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. And good morning to one and all, you know. It's really too bad for Bill Cosby that his hit TV series, I Spy, was not the last of his popular TV shows instead of one of the first. Normally I'd say something like this sort of tongue-in-cheek, but today I think that this may have more bearing on the reality of the Cosby controversy than I would want to admit. And of course the Cosby controversy continues to dominate the news pages again this week. I got a lot of emails from some of you who, who let me know about the the uh, article that appeared recently in the New York uh, magazine, and I have read it. There's nothing new in it, but we'll talk about that later. And uh, so, you know, what I want to do is fill in a lot of the gaps with the missing information and context that's not being reported. And again, here's what I said on past shows about Bill Cosby, and I haven't changed my mind at all. In fact, 
I've strengthened my opinion on this now just because of what has happened recently with regards to the whole situation and how it's become covered. You know, I've already said I think that he's he's become the victim of a vicious and organized campaign and, 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 and conspiracy, yes, to use him and his reputation as a springboard for a political agenda, primarily the one that the feminist organizations and radical feminists themselves have been shouting at the top of their lungs. We, society, the police, the individual, we all have to take these allegations seriously, as if they were never taken seriously in the past. They always were. But they have a whole new meaning to this now. And, of course, um, we've already gone through at least 20 of the 30, at that time, uh, ledgers against Cosby. I understand the number's a lot higher. But the important thing, again, to keep in mind and I've been saying this over the weeks, whenever we cover this, I've reached all my conclusions by reading the entire stories of the people making the allegations, not from anyone else. So, you know, what really got me going this week actually was um, this past, um, I think it was on Tuesday, on CKTB, on AM610, also broadcast on CJBK, CJ, CJBK here in London, Tom McConnell spoke about the Cosby issue, and uh he got so many things so wrong, and he had a guest on that was just way out there. Um, I could not even bring myself to call in and say anything because I don't think I could have gotten anywhere in the two or three minutes I might have been allowed on an open-line talk show to straighten a few facts out. But, boy, oh, boy, talk about a lot of misinformation and misunderstandings that were spread that day. And people are making up their minds on this. So before we get into that, just a reminder, you can always write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org. Now, of course, New York Magazine had a, had a, had a huge release this past weekend putting the picture, pictures of 35 of the accusers on their cover, I understand. I haven't seen the print version. I've only seen what is online, and I downloaded it. I have a copy of it here. And, um, you know, Tom McConnell was making a lot of comments, like he says, you know, it, 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 he says, if you're a Cosby backer before, you may want to revisit that position after you read that article. And I don't know what Tom meant by being a Cosby backer. First of all, I am not a Cosby backer, uh, you know, and just because, pardon the pun. This, this whole issue is not about Cosby. He's just the poster boy for the real campaign. And I have... You know, I have read the New York Magazine's article, and it is the first attempt I've seen to do what we've already been doing on this show since November of last year, present a broad and total view of Cosby's accusers and what the issue's about. Now, being on the air, of course, we always have a time limit, so we can only get to so many in so many minutes. Now, of course, and the big difference between our coverage and the New York Magazine's coverage is that their coverage left out the entire context and factual background of how these 35 women, with a new total now of 46, I understand, now considered on the official list, uh, came together at this particular time in current events. And I thought maybe the best way to, to, to approach the issue this time, because just stating the facts doesn't seem it, maybe the thing is to address many of the misunderstandings, and Tom sure uh, laid a lot of them on the table. Um, I think he had, 
and I, I don't blame him for this. Tom and I are friends. We talk. We 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 work. We did left, right, and center together. So it's not an issue of anything between us. I just think he's going on what he reads in the in, in what he's got available to him. He he didn't obviously do some of the background checks that I went through the trouble to do. And you do have to work on this. I started with a with a list that was um, provided by Slate dot com way back in November. And uh, again, they first print the allegations, but you've got to go beyond the allegations. You've got to print or go to the links beneath them. And there's a lot of, you know, you have to look around and do some research. But of course, um, he says that we know that Cosby admitted to uh, getting quaaludes to give to women he wanted to have sex with, as well offering payoffs to his accusers. Well, that's not news. Then he says what's interesting is the accusations by the women that have come forward in the last eight months or so pretty much matches the deposition that was released. We talked about that two weeks ago. And many of those women were not part of that lawsuit. 35 women are in the New York Magazine story. Um, that, that many of the women, it happened before or after, but it lines up with the other victims' stories, more tellingly lines up with what Cosby said he did that it fits neatly into the story uh, Bill Cosby gives. I got quaaludes and gave them to women, he said. I was drugged by something Mr. Cosby gave me to drink. He sexually assaulted me. And he said, um, and he says he thinks that the uh, statistics on women falsely accusing men of sexual assault is very, very, very low. I don't know where he gets that, but that's, that has not been my understanding. Maybe the statistics for the women who get into court and get far enough with it, it might be low. And he says, but we also blame women for setting men up. What were you wearing? Were you drinking that night? Why would you go off with him? Didn't you know better? It, you know, it's like what? It's like he can't be helped. He's a man. Men are hard, hardwired. Um, then he goes, oh, my gosh, we've given men every freaking excuse in the book, every excuse in the book. He says, it's ridiculous. He said, oh, it couldn't have been the guy's fault, being very sarcastic. It couldn't have been the guy's fault at all. It had to be what you're wearing. You should have known better. Now... <clears throat> Of course, none of these issues were ever, none of these kinds of issues ever came up in the, any of the Cosby situations that I'm aware of. And, um, and he says, uh, again, in the Cosby, Cosby case, it's like, what's to defend? So when he slipped the quaalude into your drink, why didn't you spit it out, end quote? Well, if you actually investigate Cosby's M.O. as reported in the original reports made by the allegers, there was no consistency in how people took the drugs. Quaaludes were the alcohol of the day, and that is the vacuum that's been created, um, creating a confusion in all of this. It's, they make it sound like, you know, Cosby slipped these things in when it wasn't that simple. In fact, many times the women were asking for the quaaludes, I guess. It was the thing. And, and in past reports, we've read a lot of things where these quaaludes were sitting in bowls at, at parties. And Cosby wasn't the only one distributing them. It was part of the culture at the time. It was like having a case of beer at your party. So um, he says it's getting tougher and tougher to find any defenders of Bill Cosby now because it would be hard to fathom that 35 women, 46 in total, conspired against Bill Cosby and in a sealed deposition matched his story exactly with theirs. That's tough to swallow, isn't it? Well, it sounds that way, doesn't it? But it's not if you know all the facts and don't keep forgetting them. 
they're conspiring right in front of our eyes. As a group, these women were sought out and recruited for a greater campaign. Feminist lawyer Gloria Allred was among those leading the charge, and she held many media conferences with many of the alleders in a very orchestrated and controlled manner, including the way that the message was being delivered. A lot of the earlier facts that were in the earlier and initial reports, most of which came out of the tabloid papers, were completely changed and altered or just omitted. Uh, just keeping it back down to the allegation. Now, if anything's to be learned by Tom's observation, you know, when he says that Bill's uh, testimony matches what happened, I would say that it says that Bill Cosby that does, does not appear to be lying. I've never caught him in an inconsistency in any of his comments or testimonies, other than, of course, his disagreement with the complainants over the issue of consent. I can't think of any significant point on which Cosby strongly dis disputed anyone's essential facts. This was well known to me long before the release of the court documents, and we covered many of these instances on past broadcasts. Now, what I find difficult to swallow in reverse is how it's conceivably possible to find f 35 to 46 women who over half a century have all, uh, all have a common allegation against Cosby, yet have never managed to have him either charged or convicted. 35 to 46 women who failed to have a drug test taken after their initial suspe suspicion that they were drugged occurred. You know, on and on. There's so many things that did not happen that it's almost, you'd have to go out of your way to find that many women who fit those exact categories. And, you know, Given Cosby's clearly active sexual lifestyle, these 35 women must have represented only a fraction of all the women he would have been dating, and yet none of the oft-predicted avalanche of Cosby victims have yet materialized. Even in Constan's case, two of her own witnesses testified they took the drugs offered by Cosby openly and willingly. They weren't taking them with the intent of passing out. That wasn't the intent any more than often people drink a drink not with the intent of passing out. And all of these people who had these experiences were also drinking alcohol at the time of their experience, and that issue never comes into the case. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me, now... Tom may find that scenario tough to swallow, but that's because he's already swallowed, I think, a lot of the Kool-Aid on this one. He had on Laura Babcock who, Bag, Babcock, who was from Power Group Communications, and she was there ostensibly to talk about um, the power of social media and having done this to Bill Cosby. But, boy, she was talking more like one of the lead feminists in the charge. And um, she says... Uh, she says, the fascinating thing about this whole Cosby situation uh, is, has been the willingness of people to defend him at all costs. <laughs> and so these women are extremely brave in that toxic environment. So there really is strength in numbers, she said. There's really bonding over this, and they're really dealing with it together. Which, of course, right away, as soon as she says that, she's already telling Tom McConnell that, hey, yeah, we are colluding, we're working, we're conspiring to do something together. And, um, and, of course, there were all, all sorts of other issues involved. And she says, that's part of the story, the fact you can't even say that this happened to you without being attacked. Well, you're accusing someone of a, of a crime. You can't say that without this clear evidence. And she says, because people are not just defending Cosby, but they're trying to defend a whole bunch of other really harmful beliefs and narratives in our society. And that's the punchline. And I said, wow, that's telling. You know, and what are these beliefs and narratives? You know, like the presumption of innocence before guilt, like the rule of law, like having the ability to defend yourself against your accusers. And 
you know, then they got into this whole thing about the history over the last couple of decades of what women have gone through with regards to sexual assault and how, um, you know, the first line of the article he found amazing, quote, more has changed in the past years for women who allege rape than in all the decades since the women's movement began. And, and that's true. There, it's all about changing the definition of the word consent, which we've been talking about at, ad infinitum on this show, but you don't hear much about it in the context of these discussions. And she says... Uh, you know, Babcock says, that, yeah, the article was tremendous in the sense that it said back when these early allegations happened, it was thought that rape could only be by a stranger in an alley. There was no sense of acquaintance rape or any of these other things that we know to be true. So women had a, an incredibly hard battle even understanding what happened to them uh, and knowing that it was criminal and wrong and not their doing. In the sense of understanding what the crime is, we've come a long way, she says. So I'm thinking, well, okay, so what is that crime? She never said. What is a crime? I'm not supposed to understand it. Do you understand it? The crime occurs only when consent is not present in the relationship. We've always known that. Acquaintance rape is the same as stranger rape. Rape is rape and was never distinguished along those lines. You know, and I have to say, you know, if you as an adult are unable to determine whether or not you've been raped at the relative time that it happened, even if you think you were too drugged at the time to notice, then it probably wasn't, if you're not too sure. If you cannot tell whether you consented or not, then you're not responsible enough to be an adult. You know, and some of these stories are egregious. If you know that you did not consent and didn't report this to authorities until years after the fact, then you've got some explaining to do. And, of course, they give all sorts of social explanations. Well, I thought it was okay. and that, Well, that still means you consented. You can change your mind later, but th that doesn't change your mind retroactively, okay? <laughs> it doesn't change that way. And, um, and then she says, what I also loved about the article, it was like saying that women now, because of tools like Twitter and Facebook, are able to take the latest flare-up of the Cosby story and just keep it moving. So I'm thinking, wow, yeah, no conspiracy there. And what's the latest flare-up? It's a repeat of the same stories, the same allegations. Just repeat them over and over and over again. And, um, of course, then she gets into a very interesting uh, ar ar argument here. She says that uh, what Cosby was alleged to do was terrible, but the details are absolutely shocking. Wow, that alleged behavior is downright predatory. It's serial in nature. It's way more disturbing than what some of these individual reports sounded like that came out over the past 12 months. That's why it's a must-read. And she goes, people have to read it to understand what's happening in our culture. Interesting, not about Bill Cosby, but what's happening in our culture around sexual assault, but also to understand what the allegations actually are against Bill Cosby. Well, what's very interesting about this comment is that Babcock regards Cosby's predatory serial behavior as more disturbing than the individual reports actually reported. That was his dating style. I mean, not his raping style. He dated many of these women way more than once, and only on these particular single occasions did any issue arise, usually coming near the time when I guess they're planning to split up. Andrea Constant was seeing Cosby on and off for years, like for years. But when you isolate her one experience where she thinks she was drugged from all the rest, then her which she didn't even bring up till a year later, then her experience, like all the others, seems like a one-off single encounter to people who are hearing it in the media for the first time. And then, uh, again, 
McConnell points out that what's interesting is how in the deposition released is that we see in his own words how Bill Cosby operated. Well, he, he never hid this. This was not anything news now, and it wasn't news back in November when we first covered it. A lot of these details were very detailed back then as well, just from different sources. And, you know, he thinks that he thinks that there's a problem with his M.O. because it meshes with the stories. Well, of course it's the same M.O. Um, and it's interesting that he accepts Bill Cosby's word as being the truth when it coincides with, you know, saying that he's guilty of the allegations, but totally dismisses Cosby's words when it comes to anything he may say in his own self-defense. And, uh, you know, and Babcock's Babcock says all of the women were interviewed separately, and you can have all the conspiracies in the world and that say somehow they all colluded in advance, but it's beyond the scope of the rational to believe that. They all had these stories. Cosby admitted to it under oath. Well, of course they didn't collude in advance. That's why no one heard about their story. They're colluding now, today, and planning to do so again in the future and keep these same stories alive for as long as it takes to, I don't know, do what? And then she says, what I found fascinating was that the judge decided to unseal the testimony because Cosby was parading himself to be a moralist for society. His own behavior, his own words out there telling black people how they should be living was part of what the judge, what caused the judge to say, no, we need to hear this information. Of course, this is what we discussed uh, two weeks ago, and I thought it was disgraceful to release that information because of Cosby's political pol beliefs, whether they're true or false. But actually, he wasn't telling black people how to live. He was just citing the fact you can't always play the race card when it's clear the reason for a particular black person's arrest is because of a crime he's committing, not because he's black. And uh, apparently, Cosby's apparently going to try and sue for the settlement back from uh, Constant because, of course, they open, open the court documents now. now and what does, what does that make the settlement worth? And then she goes... Um, now, when you get 35 victims together, all of them empowered by each other, and finally getting the audience to believe them, there's still some doubters out there, but I think the scale is really not tilting in their favor. I think they've got the power now to take some legal routes, she's saying. Now, I'd like to know what Babcock meant when she said by doubters out there. You know, just watch. Pretty soon that word's going to become deniers. And she means people like me. She doesn't want people like me to do any public doubting, or that might weaken the position of people like her. In a court of law, the decision has to be reached beyond doubt, whereas in the court of public opinion, no decision is ever reached. Do I doubt that Cosby raped Andrea Constant? More than that, I really don't believe from anything I've read that rape was any part of her many years-long relationship with Cosby. Do I doubt that each and every one of the 35 to 46 allegations are valid? No, I don't doubt it at all. I know that they're not. We've already investigated in great deal at least 20 of them and discovered everything from past convicted extortion attempts that ended up with some of the accusers serving jail sentences, outright fabrications saying Cosby was, say, at the Playboy Mansion when it was documented that at the time of the alleged incident he was on the opposite side of the continent in plain public view, an accusation of a perhaps inappropriate but just a kiss at a party over 40 years ago, a paternity suit in which the alleger refused to allow a DNA test to prove if the child was Cosby's, a complainant who was not even alleging that Cosby had sex with her, but that one of his friends did, and she's on this current list too, Sammy Davis Jr.'s road wife, who had sex with Cosby in the hallway entrance to, of her hotel room, then later regretted it by saying, I wish I had stopped him, but it happened so fast, so she's on the list. 
and one accuser who changed her allegations so many times within a few days that her own family was making public statements disavowing any knowledge of her behavior. And all this was originally reported in the tabloid media from which many of the stories originated. But the details of these earlier events are no longer being reported or repeated. Only the allegations are. Now, do I doubt that many women with legitimate complaints of sexual assault have had problems obtaining legal convictions? No, I don't doubt that. If there's no objective evidence on which to convict, that outcome is more than probable. But allowing them to make their unproven allegations public without any legally available recourse, I think, is immoral. And it should be a, a, a criminal act in and of itself. The rule of law was created to prevent this very thing from happening. So she's predicting that... Um, she's saying, I'm not a lawyer, but I think that because of the testimony being opened up, there might be more recent allegations, not subject to the statute of limitations, that come forward now. So I think there's probably going to be a legal path pursued, uh, uh, pursued or more legal problems for Cosby. Well, I think she's got that wrong. That's very unlikely. By bringing someone into their collective who's able to force Cosby into a legitimate court of law and away from the court of public opinion, Cosby would then be in a position to defend himself, which is not part of the game plan. That would undermine everything. That's why the feminists are being so careful to select women who are beyond that limit, which again is a red herring, because a lot of these women did have their, their issues investigated. The police did take them seriously. They just couldn't do anything with it. And, you know, as soon as something gets in front of the court, consider how relatively quiet things have been around the Gomeshi case. And um, since he went into the courts, and it was all noisy before that, so that would be a plus maybe for Cosby, because then things would quiet down. And uh, she says, I think the accusers, now that they're empowered, they're not going to stop until they get the kind of validation. They want to make sure that he faces some sort of consequence, which apparently he already has. But apparently, even after they've done that by settling out of court agreements, that's still not enough. And their word is not worth much, given their clear breach of any confidentiality clauses in these agreements. I mean, this is feminism on steroids. And it's an interesting issue because what's happening is that there's a major, um, I guess you could almost call it an attack of sorts, on masculinity in and of itself. And that's something that we'll be segueing into as the show progresses. And that's why I've picked some of the clips I did today from a movie called The Misfits, which was the last one done by Marilyn Monroe. Um, and it was all about that kind of thing. Let's listen in, and we'll talk more about that upon our return. Will you go over my answers with me again, yes? Sure, dear, but don't worry about it. You're going to do wonderfully. Now, let's see. Uh, did your husband, Mr. Raymond Tabor, act toward you with cruelty? Darling? Well, yes. Just say yes. Yes. In what way did this cruelty manifest itself? He persistently... How does that go again? He persistently and cruelly ignored my personal wishes and my rights and uh, resorted on several occasions to physical violence against me. He persistently... Uh, why do I have to say that? Why can't I just say he wasn't there? He... I mean, you could touch him, but he wasn't there. Darling girl, if that was grounds for divorce, there'd only be about 11 marriages left in the United States. Now, just repeat after me. He persistently... He persistently... 
They'll call in their estimate from the office, ma'am. Those dents aren't my fault, you know. I'll, I'll recommend the best price I can, ma'am. You, you, you can drive her now. I put in a new battery. I'll never drive that car again. Let's take a taxi. Uh, I'll give you a lift if you're leaving right away. Swell, two minutes. Yes, get dressed. You gotta be my witness. This'll be my 77th time I've witnessed for a divorce. Two sevens. That's lucky, darling. Oh, is. I hope. Easy does it now. Oh, you're a dear. Here we are. Thanks a lot. We've got to go now. I just got off the plane. I'm not too late, am I? I don't want to hear anything. Just give me five minutes after two years. Five minutes isn't you, such you a lot. You can't have me now, so you want me, that's all. Please, I'm not blaming you. It's... I, I never looked at any different. I just don't believe in the whole thing anymore. Jeff, I understand. I understand. You what... don't understand. You're not there, Raymond. If I'm going to be alone, I want to be by myself. I can't memorize this. It's not the way it was. Just say it. It doesn't have to be true. This isn't a quiz show. It's only a court. Hello. How'd you make out? Okay. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Gay? Yeah. Gay Langland? This is Tabor. How'd he do? This is Mrs. Uh... Steers. Isabel Steers. One thing about Reno men, they do remember the name. Why don't you boys sit down? Thank you. What you girls drinking? Whiskey. We're celebrating the jail burn down. Uh, Mary, see if you can get four doubles, will you? Uh, you uh, sure made a big impression on my friend here. And I can see why. You're a mechanic, too? Him? He's a cowboy. How'd you know? <laughs> I can smell, can I? Hey, you can't smell cows on me. I can smell the look on your face, cowboy. But I love every miserable one of you. Of course, you're all good for nothing, as you well know. That may be, but it's better than wages. <laughs> I suppose you'll be heading back east soon, eh, Mrs. Tabor? I can't make up my mind. I don't know yet what to do. You mean you don't have a business to run or a school to teach or a... Me? I never finished high school. Well, that's real good news. You don't like educated women? They're all right. Always wanting to know what you're thinking, that's all. Maybe they're trying to get to know you better. Did you ever get to know a man better by asking him questions? You mean he'd lie? Well, he might not. And then again, he just might. And that was from the film um, The Misfits. And it's uh, interesting, Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe, they both passed away within months of the complete completion of that movie. And uh, that was uh, Arthur Miller's screenplay, of course. Um, interesting that... Uh, 
One of the issues that has been addressed is the whole issue of masculinity coming under attack, you know, with the idea of the male as pursuer, the female as a pursued. Yet if you talk to a lot of women, like the character played by Marilyn Monroe in The Misfits, that's precisely the thing that they most often complain about that's lacking in their relationship with their spouses. They find he's too passive. So men aren't going to win on this issue at all. But of course, the bigger story is the political one. Just wanted to touch on some of the testimony before we go to our next break, that was made uh, in the actual uh, released um, deposition by the New York Times on July 18th. Uh, not a lot of it new there, but we don't often hear what Cosby literally said in his own defense, and, and, and here's part of the, the, the testimony that I found more significant. Asked by Ms. Constant's lawyer about how he felt when Ms. Constant cried during her own deposition, Cosby was unsparing, quote, I think Andrea is a liar, and I know she's a liar because I was there. I was there. That's pretty, pretty strong. And he could be dispassionate in recalling former relationships with a woman named Beth Ferrier, a model he met in the 1980s. He recalled inquiring after her career and her father, who had died of cancer. Did you ask her those questions because you wanted to have sexual contact with her? Troyani asked. Yes, Mr. Cosby said. Still, he viewed himself as a good person, worthy of trust, and chivalrous in his desire to never tell others about the women with whom he had sex. And then they have a section here called um, Views on Women and Sex. This is again from the New York Times experts from the deposition. Um, after describing what he depicts as a sexual encounter with Andrea Constant, Mr. Cosby explains in part why, why he viewed it as consensual. And he, he's quoted as saying, I walk her out. She does not look angry. She, do, she does not say to me, don't ever do that again. She doesn't walk out with an attitude of a huff because I think that I'm a pretty decent reader of people and their emotions in these romantic sexual things, whatever you want to call them. Ask if he ever talked with anyone else about what he described as his physical interaction with Ms. Constant. Mr. Mr. Cosby says he never discusses such things. I am a man. The only way you'll ever hear about who I had sex with is from the person I had it with. And that was a very interesting comment. And then he goes on uh, talking about other rendezvous, and apparently uh, they happened in a number of cities. And uh, he was asked, do you know if any of the rendezvous happened in New York City? He doesn't remember. How did it end with her? He said he stopped calling her for rendezvous. You stopped? Yes. Why? Just moving on. What does that mean? Don't want to see her anymore. So that was basically the whole, I guess, dating culture in which Cosby was living. And that's uh, pretty much where you're at with this situation. And uh, so far, any hard evidence that anything untoward happened? Not that I have seen yet, you know, I'm looking. But these allegations are strictly still allegations, and the reason people are th thinking that there's something to them is based on the numbers game. It's a complete tactic. If you looked at each one of them individually, you wouldn't give most of these a second glance. And with that, we'll carry on, and we'll return our conversation when we return. You're a real beautiful woman. It's almost kind of an honor sitting next to you. You just shine in my eyes. That's my true feeling, Rosalind. What makes you so sad? I think you're the saddest girl I ever met. You're the first man ever said that. I'm usually told how happy I am. That's because you make a man feel happy. 
Don't get discouraged, girl. You might. Mm, what is that beautiful smell? It smells like green perfume. The sage, darling. Oh, sure. I never smelled it except in bottles. Um, gee, it's beautiful here. Look, dear girl, um, I think I better tell you something about cowboys. You really worry about me, don't you? Well, you're too believing. Cowboys are the last real men left in the world, and they're, they're about as reliable as jackrabbits. Is anybody any different? Maybe you're not supposed to believe what people say. Maybe it's not even fair to them. Piranha. The real thing. This must be where the piranha women dispose of the fat and bones of their male sacrifices. Very good, Dr. Hunt. That is quite correct. Francine Kurtz. Then you are alive. She's got one of these cute outfits on. I have more than just the outfit, honey. The piranha women have christened the Empress of the Avocado Jungle. I am their supreme ruler. Empress? I knew the Avocado Board would send someone after me. But I never suspected it would be another feminist. After I did away with the army. You mean to say you led those piranha women against the soldiers? Of course. They violated our jungle sanctuary. They had to die. They were pretty delicious, too. Dr. Kurtz, I'm unfamiliar with the academic guidelines at Radcliffe, but I would think any major university would consider warring on the United States and eating prisoners of war a serious breach of ethics. Always the cautious scholar, huh, Dr. Hunt? I'm not here to study the piranha women. I'm here to lead them. The future of feminism lies in this temple. You're saying the future of women is in cannibalism? Face up to the truth. This is a war. A war between men and women. Anything short of cannibalism is just beating around the bush. <laughs> that was, of course, from uh, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death or something like that. Bill Maher was in that movie. And um, it was pretty funny. Uh, by the way, too, just before the break when we, when we read Co uh, Cosby's account of his departure with Andrea Constant, I want to say that that also matched her initial reports that we originally read when, when, when she talked about her encounter, too. So even there, that matched. However, this past week I was, had, to, had it brought to my attention that on Tuesday, uh, another feminist, Camille Paglia, had actually commented on Bill Cosby, and that was done in the pages of Salon magazine, where she had an exclusive interview with David Daly. And uh, they had found all sorts of parallels between uh, Bill Cosby and, of all people, another Bill, Bill Clinton. And um, Camille Paglia is, of course, a political and cultural critic, and um, she's always seemed to be on the winning side of the wars over feminism and political correctness in the 1990s, but recently those battles have reopened, says the introduction in the article. And um, he asks her this. This is David Daly asking Camille Paglia a question. He says, the banner on the Drudge Report this morning, which would be this past Tuesday, is that Kathleen Wiley is starting a site to collect harassment claims against Bill Clinton. <laughs> it's starting. New York Magazine, meanwhile, has the stories of 35 women who say they were raped or assaulted by Bill Cosby. I wonder if you see a connection between the two stories. Would Bill Clinton's exploits be viewed more like Cosby's if he was in the White House 
today instead of in the 1990s. And uh, Palia responds, right from the start, when the Bill Cosby scandal surfaced, I knew it was not going to bode well for Hillary's campaign. The horrible truth is that the feminist establishment in the U.S., led by Gloria Steinem, did in fact apply a double standard to Bill Clinton's behavior because he was a Democrat. Now, bear in mind here the contrast here. Bill Cosby is, of course, more on the conservative side of things, and that's been a big issue that we brought up on past uh, um, broadcasts of our show. The Democratic president and administration, she says, supported abortion rights, and therefore it didn't matter what his personal behavior was. But we're living in a different time now, and young women have absolutely no memory of Bill Clinton. It's like ancient history for them. And the actual facts of the matter are that Bill Clinton was a serial abuser of working-class women. He had exploited that power differential even in Arkansas. And then she talks about the case of Monica Lewinsky and says how she thinks that was totally outrageous and how no one came to, her, to Lewinsky's defense at the time. And so she gets asked, so have the times and stand, standards changed enough that Clinton would be seen as Cosby if he was president today? And she says, oh, yes. There's absolutely no doubt, especially in this age of instant social media. In most of these cases, like Bill Clinton and Bill Cosby stories, there's been a complete ne neglect of psychology. We're in a period right now where nobody asks questions about psychology. No one has any feeling for human motivation. No one talks about sexuality in terms of emotional needs and symbolism or the legacy of childhood. Sexuality has been politicized. Don't ask any questions. No discussion. Gay is exactly equivalent to straight. And thus, in this period of psychological blindness or inertness, our art has become dull, she says. There's nothing interesting being written in fiction or play or movies. Everything's boring because of our failure to ask psychological questions. And she says, I think there's a big parallel between Bill Cosby and Bill Clinton, aside from their initials. Young feminists need to understand that this abusive behavior by powerful men signifies their sense that female power is much bigger than they are. These two people, Clinton and Cosby, are emotionally infantile. They're engaged in a war with female power, she says. It has something to do with their early sense of being smothered by female power. And uh, this pathetic behavior is a re result of their sense of inadequacy. We are formed by all kinds of strange or vague memories from childhood. That kind of understanding is needed to see that Cosby was involved in a symbiotic push-pull thing with his wife, where he went out and did these awful things to assert his own independence. But for that, he required the women to be inert. He needed them to be dead. Cosby is actually a necrophiliac, a style that was popular in the late Victorian period in the 19th century. To give a woman a drug to make her inert, to make her quote-unquote dead, is the man saying that I need her to be dead for me to function. She's too powerful for me as a living woman. And this is what's also going on in those barbaric fraternity orgies, where women are, lying sexually or are sexually assaulted while lying unconscious. And women don't understand this. They have no idea why any men would find it arousing to have sex with a young woman who's passed out at a fraternity house. But it's necrophilia, this fear of envy of a woman's power. Um, and she says the same thing with Clinton. To find an answer, you have to look at his relationship to his flamboyant mother. He felt smothered by her in some way. 
But let's be clear, I'm not blaming the mother. What I'm saying is that male sexuality is extremely complicated, and the formation of male identity is very tentative and sensitive, but feminist rhetoric does not allow for it. This is why women are having so much trouble dealing with men in the feminist era. They don't understand men, and they demonize men. They accord to men far more power than men actually have in sex. Women control the sexual world in ways that most feminists simply don't understand. And she says, uh, her explanation is that second wave feminism dispensed with motherhood. Equality in the workplace is not going to solve the problems between men and women which are occurring in the private emotional realm, where every man is subordinate to women because he's emerged as a tiny helpless thing from a woman's body. The erasure of motherhood from feminist rhetoric has led us to this current politicization of sex talk, which doesn't allow women to recognize their immense power vis-a-vis men. When motherhood was more at the center of culture, you had mothers who understood the fragility of boys and the boys' need for nurturance and for confidence to overcome this weakness. The old-style country women, the Italian matriarchs and Jewish mothers, they all understood the fragility of men. Feminism today simply doesn't perceive this power of women vis-a-vis men. And so that's basically her comments. And I thought that she opened up a much-needed dimension of this overall conversation, that of sexuality itself. Now, I find it difficult to apply her specific diagnosis of Clinton and Cosby's sexual predilections as necrophilia, since, particularly in the Cosby and Andrea Constant case, since their relationship went on for years, and none of the complainants who had long-term sexual relations with Cosby ever particular particularly said that they had identical experiences each time they had a sexual encounter with him. It wasn't as if each time in their past sexual encounters they took a pill, they passed out, and found themselves in bed with a bad memory the next morning. Uh, What, and then suddenly on this one occasion in in a longer relationship he tries something kinky? I, I don't know what that's about. All of the pathology Pallia ascribes to her version of necrophilia could also be applied to other sexual practices like Oh, bondages, or bondage, and other practices that may not involve those kinds of motivations at all. Being bound in sexual fantasy situations still remains a top sexual fantasy among more than more women than men, and we've discussed that phenomenon on a past or two, past show or two as well. But of course, all of this would open the bigger can of worms, an open discussion on sexual motivations, uh, which, quite frankly, really is a separate discussion, far removed from the issue of whether or not consent existed in Cosby's liaisons, though not so far removed from the greater, um, what I'd call, feminist agenda. Uh, That feminist feminist agenda uh, remains the great unspoken and yet critical component of this whole story, and that's what's really missing. More on the big picture view when we return from this interlude, which begins with author Christina Hoff Summers speaking on Book TV in depth about feminist Camille Paglia. We'll be back. Christina Hoff Summers, you listed Camille Paglia as one of your greatest influences. Why? Camille Paglia is um, a friend of mine as well as a, um, an ally, a dissident feminist. I got to know her in the early 90s when she seemed to come out of nowhere. I felt sort of alone in protesting the excesses of my colleagues in feminist philosophy. And she wrote this brilliant book, Sexual Persona. She is a, a she has a degree, a PhD in, in English from Yale University, and she's one of the most erudite and and uh, just intellectual people you'll ever meet. And she has this 
sweeping knowledge of, of art, history of art and history of fashion, the history of literature. It seems to be all be right at her fingertips. And it, she's, she's a uh, self-described lesbian who likes men. She, describes herself, she has all these paradoxical uh, self-descriptions that she's, uh, she calls herself a, a green, but she has some skepticism about climate, about global warming. Uh, she's a Democrat, but she's more libertarian. But mostly, she's just a fantastic intellectual and a brilliant, original person. And she writes about gender. She showed me that you could write about these things in a completely free and un, you know, in a, in a way which wasn't confined by rigid ideology. She just threw the ideology out and and wrote what she saw and thinks. And she does believe there are male and female differences that are. Biologic, biologically based. Of course, it's partly culture, but it's biology. And she rejects this, what she considers an anti-intellectual tendency among many academics to dismiss nature in the uh, construction of gender. And she, um, she also loves fashion and drag queens and rock stars. And she writes about them, or soap operas. So she kind of puts it all together and has written books on the history of art, the history of poetry. Each one is a, a classic. So I, I, I think when I encountered her, I saw, I was both thrilled and saddened. Thrilled because just to meet someone like her. And I urge everyone uh, to uh, uh, Google Camille Paglia and, and read everything that you can because you will have a good time. There's a lot of fun and uh, she's just an exciting thinker. Now why do I say that it, it was also sad? Is in her I saw what gender studies could have been what women's studies could have been if it hadn't been constrained by ideology and sort of a dreary politics of victimology. And it, was, and it attracted free thinkers who were just able to speculate uh, and, and, and with the benefit of a classical education and to speculate freely on um, men and women and social institutions. And, she, and, and so she's able to speak the truth, but it's informed by this, this as I said, kind of uh, comprehensive knowledge of art history and, and world history and poetry and painting. And so I think the gender scholars didn't know what to make of her because she was, you know, as, she, as I said, paradoxes. She was a, um, uh, a feminist, but she, she, she was pro-pornography. And she said she liked, as I said, um, so she, she's libertarian and sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's fine. But on the other hand, she has very old-fashioned views about education, that young people should be brought up on the classics. I don't think she wants anything assigned that was written after 1850 or maybe before, maybe 1700. Um, so she, she, she's very, very uh, conservative when it comes to education. But then, but then she's free. I mean, she's this free thinker. down and enjoy yourself, uh, just as once. You do this often? Uh-uh. First time for me. Billy and Shirley? Mm-hmm. Mmm, smells delicious. Hey, you really go all out, don't you? Even the way you eat. I like that. 
women generally pick. You like me, huh? Girls must be brave to live out here. At night especially. Where's it so small, you know? Hmm. You think I'm crazy. I just look that way because I can't make you out. Why? I don't know. You got children? I never wanted children with him. Oh. Children are supposed to bring you together, but what if they don't, you know? I've known of uh, so-called happily married couples. One time, the wife was in the hospital to have the baby, and the husband was calling me up. I mean, he was calling me. They're still supposed to be happily married. I guess you believe in true love, don't you? I don't know, but they'll invent a way that you don't have children unless you care for each other. Because the kids know the difference. I always knew the difference. Listen, if you want to go somewhere, I don't mind being alone. Do I look like I want to leave? I just mean I want you to do what you feel like. You ain't kidding. Even when you're kidding, you ain't kidding. No. It makes me feel peaceful. You know, they come out here from New York, Chicago, St. Louis, and, and they find them a cowboy. A uh, cowboy's supposed to be dumb, you know. So they tell them everything. And they do everything. Everything they couldn't do back home. It's pitiful. Why is it pitiful? Cowboys laughing at them. They don't even know it. It's nice to meet someone who has respect for a man. Interesting. You know, back to the future, I guess, when we first started looking at the situation back in November. The first time we reported Andrea Constance's case was in November, and at that time we learned that she was involved in a 2006 civil lawsuit with 13 other women who were going to be witnesses as Jane Doe's. But she settled with Cosby, said Cosby drugged her and assaulted her in 2004, quote, had one glass of wine and the next thing she knew she was slumping over the toilet, end quote. Also said she was 17 at the time, living in an apartment paid for Cosby, paid for by Cosby and her, her manager. And funny that that fact never resurfaced since those early days. It wasn't in any of the current reports because, of course, that, that relationship lasted for a long time. I don't assume that they were having sex at that time particular time. But in all of these cases, we have to review this whole situation. You know, no one's ever filed criminal charges or gone to legal authorities in any meaningful way, not just because of the statute of limitations. Many of them att attempted to do that well within the statute of limitations. Cosby was never convicted anyth of anything. Settlements were agreed to and reached. And of course, when comedian Hannibal Buress started uh, using his Cosby rape allegations as part of his com comedy routine and it was posted online, that's when the whole thing was said to have spread. I have some doubt about that, but that's as good a, a myth as any. Um, you know, and, and what's happened is that the whole thing is, this is, as some people said right in the beginning, they said this is either a huge tragedy, either Cosby is guilty or the women are lying. That seems to be the the black and white choice we have. There's one of those two issues. But there is a third choice, and that is that there could be some issue of consent underlying what ha whatever happened. 
And, you know, were it not for the, the black and white nature of our laws on, on rape issues and sex, this could be a legitimate and sincere misunderstanding on the part of one or both of the participants. But with both the political and legal options being so pol polarized, you're either guilty or innocent, no reasonable grounds for compromise is even possible in any such circumstances, except as they're doing it now through settlements out of court. Because if you don't do it that way, that leaves the law and clear definitions and requirements for evidence as being the only ultimate solution and arbiter of such conflicts. And it's the protection of that law that everyone's condemning and criticizing when talking about Cosby. And that's the thing that I find very disappointing and very dangerous. And so, you know, the people who are using these allegations against Cosby to personally harm his reputation or further their own political causes, which a lot of this is going on, they're inciting mob behavior, the, the very uncivilized form of trying, convicting, and punishing someone without due process. And, you know, and even by treating that due process with contempt. Now, what I've learned over the last several months, I have no, I have no, no stake in Bill Cosby. I wasn't a particularly big fan of his. I never watched the Cosby show. did watch the old uh, I Spy series. But, you know, one thing I've learned is that after going through each of these women's stories, I find their, their stories have been inconsistent, changed, associated with past extortion attempts, you know, discovered to be outright fabrication based on vague memories going back half a, qu a quarter to half a century. Um, memories of women who certainly do seem to have some kind of grudge to hold against Cosby, and in their own words, this grudge was based on feelings of rejection by Cosby or on failed expectations regarding something to do with their careers. All of them brought that up. And so the 30 to 30 or 40 to 45 women now on the unofficial Cosby list must surely only be a fraction again of the women he dated through that whole period and uh, the many other women involved with Cosby in some way including two who appeared on behalf of Andrea Constant no no less openly admitted they were always voluntarily involved with everything they did now <laughs> remember l how last week i argued that it was inappropriate to define a planet in in that case pluto by the company it keeps well that principle is not as true when it comes to people because people don't gravitate to each other simply because of body mass but because of common ideologies or common goals and objectives many people incorrectly describe these associations or common activities as a conspiracy which all political activity is in one sense, but not in the conspiratorial implication sense. Among those in the group of women are complainants that I know for a fact, based on those complainants' own words, who do not have anything near approaching any sort of rape allegations against Cosby. Why are they still on the list? Why are you keeping them there? Including one alleger who didn't even have sexual relations with Cosby, but found herself in bed with someone else, whom apparently she's not making any allegations against. We don't even know the name of that guy. You know, if you insist on fighting as a group, then you're going to end up falling as a group. And the person who would be most hurt by that would be the individual within that group who may actually have a, le a legitimate case. Though, you know, I, I myself have not really run into that, <laughs> into that case yet. I'm still looking. So what they're doing, and this is what I've said from the beginning, is that they're pushing this whole debate where they want it. They don't want it in a court of law. They want it in the court of public opinions because that's where all the action is. They cannot win any other way. And, of course, there is no such thing as a court of public opinion. 
that's a place, a real court is a place of justice and, and of judgment. Justice is achieved only through tried and tested process, which is what's being attacked by the people. This is the changes they're all bragging about. You know, we can go out and publicly accuse people of outright crimes and not have to worry about any consequences to ourselves. And um, you know, whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? Now, the, the feminists, they already know they cannot win a legal battle against Bill Cosby. So instead, they're out to ruin his reputation by making all these public allegations of criminal activity that they cannot prove in a court of law, and for which there's no objective evidence other than the uh, allegation and the feelings of the woman themselves. And, of course, as the, the circumstantial evidence is the presence of these drugs, which is no difference from the presence of the alcohol. It could have been the same thing. But all we have is the allegations which in the mind of some constitute proof because there are, seem to be so many of them. There aren't really, not if you have to drag out, if, if that's all you get over 40 or 50 years with all the activity that must have been taking place. So the only thing that the feminist groups have left to them, really, is this course of action. This is feminism in action. And all they just have to attack his reputation, whether justly or unjustly, in their fictional court of public opinion. And they can say anything they want. And feminists have a reputation too, so let's not forget about that. And uh, at, the, at the heart of all this, who, who is missing from the whole debate are the people who are leading the charge. And of course, attorney Gloria Allred, who's spearheading the case, said that she has heard from more women but declined to give a number, and that was back then. And she, she had promised that we're going to get more. Well, she's right. We're up to 45, but not one yet who can actually make a case against Cosby. And that's, that was my prediction back in November. She says, I commend these women. She said in her own statement, and I can assure Mr. Cosby that while these alleged victims are not the first to speak out, they will also not be the last to do so to speak out, not to charge them, notice, because women are now empowered and refuse to suffer in silence. So, you know, even as she herself, as, you know, she, <laughs> and she says, yeah, these, these alleged women, she's actually calling them alleged victims, so she's actually talking and behaving as if that were not so. She says they're just alleged. So, we come back again to the first sentence in this week's New York New Yorker uh, or New York Magazine article. Quote, more has changed in the past few years for women who allege rape than in all the decades since the women's movement began. Change, yes. For the better, no. Now they can allege without proof. Now they can allege in a court of public opinion in which there is no defense. That's what's changed. And it's long past time to change it back. But not to go back in time in the pursuit of endless allegations. So instead, let's look forward to the next time. We'll be continuing our journey in the right direction one week from today. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be This, this story, though, of uh, how, which is sadly true, of how I was put into special ed was that in sixth grade, I had to do a book report. And I was like, book report, got it. And then three weeks later, I came in dressed as Bill Cosby. And, but not from the Cosby show. I saw him uh, from I Spy. And also, I was dressed as a cowboy because I once saw him dressed as a cowboy. But I wasn't in blackface. I wasn't crazy. 
you know. So I came in dressed as a cowboy, and I was like, I'm Bill Cosby. And, and then I lip-sang his stand-up comedy for five minutes. And the teacher, and this is the best part, the teacher was like, you get an A+, but you have to see a doctor. 